You're listening to The Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. We have to be ready to move on from that because the truth from the verses that we read in Hebrews says that God doesn't think about our sin when he sees us. He sees the cross. So what we get to do is we get to leave those things at the foot of the cross and then say those things no longer define us. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our Christmas series, Counting Down to Christmas Day, looking at God with us. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Evero with us. Jose, thanks for being here. Good morning, Taylor. Good to be here. Good to have you. Good to have you. And joined by Communications Director Paulina De La Fuente. Paulina, Hello. thanks for being here. It's good to have you both as we looked at this week's message called It's Personal. Mm-hmm. Jose, we'd love to give you the first word as I normally do as you kind of prepared for this message. What stood out to you as you prepared as we look into yes, this verse? We are looking at the story of Zechariah, the second part, the part first two. part. Part did not, you know, Zachariah didn't look too good. This second part is the underdog that came back, redeemed himself. And what I really loved about this part of uh, this part of scripture is that Zachariah does show us that redemption is is possible. So um, our failures don't define who we are. Uh, We're not defined by what others even say about us, but we're defined by who God says we are. And so that that came out strong in this message and then ultimately his song of praise that mirrors Mary's song of praise that we talked about last week. So powerful way to begin the Gospel of Luke and and hopefully it uh, inspired us to continue to wait in anticipation and expectation of the coming of Jesus Christmas morning. There you go. You just hit all the three points right then mm-hmm. and there. First one there is God is with us despite our failures. Jose, I loved how each point you had a question, kind of a, yeah. a personal question to reflect on. This one asking just what failure are you ready to move on from? Mm-hmm. I'd love to ask just both of y'all, let's say something does come to mind in this, uh, just as they reflect on that question, as they reflected on the message, what would be some action steps or what would be some next steps for them to take that failure? and to truly move on? What does it look like to move on and really embrace this concept that God is with us despite our failures? Yeah, I think that word ready, I I didn't dwell on that word, but I put that word there intentionally. We have to be ready to move on from that because the truth from the verses that we read in Hebrews say, it says that God doesn't remember Mm. us. He doesn't think about our sin when he sees us, he sees the cross. So what we get to do is we get to leave those things at the foot of the cross and then say, those things no longer define us. Those things no longer will weigh us down because we are going to see ourselves the way that God sees us. So um, there are many different ways that we can do that. One of my favorites is sharing that with somebody else, share that thing that that is weighing you down, that failure or or that burden with someone and saying, hey, I'm, I'm gonna choose to move on from this. This is no longer going to weigh me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with any failure, it's like facing it head on is what I've learned instead of pretending like it's not there. I think there's a lot of uh, excuses and reasons that we could give to avoid facing those things, including giving them to God because we want to pretend like they don't exist and it just doesn't work. It comes out in the end in worse ways than if we just dealt with them like you're saying and aligning with God in both of those parts, like doing our part to bring it to God. To me, that's facing it head on mm. is actually doing something with it instead of pretending like it's not there and then aligning with God in the fact that he does forget them. So I don't need to remember them. And I feel like if I can do both of those yeah. things, then it usually helps me get past a lot better than if I ignore it. 
Yeah, my daughter, Ayla, yesterday told me, she's nine, she said, hey, do you know that we make mistakes every day? And I said, yeah, <laughs> I make plenty of them, even in parenting her, right? And, and she's aware because we you know, apologize and, and try to keep that uh, straight with our kids. And yet she, she was kind of in, in shock. And uh, we went further and talked about how we grow from our mistakes. If, if we take that opportunity to acknowledge failure, to acknowledge a mistake, then that gives us an opportunity to grow. And I think in our faith, again, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love, right? That's a free gift to, to the undeserving graces. So because of that truth, we can be sure that these failures, that these mistakes will help us grow to become more like him, to become more holy, more perfect in our sanctification. And so really this is an invitation from Zechariah, again, in the first chapter of Luke to not allow those failures to define us, but to move on from them. Yeah, that's really good. Each week, our community group leaders get a kind of question bank to help facilitate some of the conversation in their groups. And I love the question uh, that's listed here under this topic. It asks, why do we choose to keep remembering our sin when God chooses to see us otherwise? And I think that's something that speaks true yeah. that you may have initially said, hey, I'm not defined by this failure and you're moving on, you're surrendering that to God. But then at least in my experience, there can be times where whether it might be the same failure that keeps coming back or you just think of failures in the past kind of keep uh, kind of coming back into your mind. So, so why do you think we choose to remember our sin? Uh, and then how do you kind of continue to remind yourself the truth that God doesn't yeah. define you by your failures? I think one of the most historic ways is this flesh that we have inside of us that wants to earn God's love they, or wants to do life without God, prove to others, to ourselves, and even to God that, that we can be independent from Him. And that's not possible. There's nothing. You know, our good works are like rags to Him. He, he wants us, and He wants us to receive His love. So uh, my pride is what keeps me from thinking about, wow, God actually doesn't see me through uh, my mistakes. He, he sees me through the lens of the cross, through what he's done for me. That's a big change of perspective when we when we look in our, at our faith in God, because again, the flesh wants to prove. Yeah. Yeah. It's way more comforting to think if God would just let me figure out my path back, you know, mm. then at least I can do something about it versus it's hard. It takes a lot more faith to really trust that God has done all of it and I brought nothing to the table except willingness. And that is enough. And that's a really hard and requires a lot more trust for me to have in God than it is for me to get a behavior management plan from God that's like, not that he would give it to us, but what I would want is something like that. That's like do step one, then step two, then yeah. step three, and then you get back versus I trust that Jesus's sacrifice fully covers me and that God really is with me despite my failures and forgets them completely. That's right. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Let's jump into the second point here, uh, which is that God is not only with us, but gives us a new identity. I think about it in my own life, a season where this was really true. Uh, I saw this to be true was in college because I think, I don't know, just at least where I was at, or I think in college in general, you get to a point where you're hearing a lot of messages. You're trying to figure out how am I identified? How, where is my identity at? Where's my worth at? Because for me, it was people pleasing. For other, you know, you can kind of dive into all kinds of arenas, skill sets, that kind of thing. Um, so, so what is so crucial about just 
uh, you had a, a list, uh, Jose, based on scriptures of just who God says we are, and that's available online. If you missed it, uh, you could look it up. But but what kind of see, truth? See, guide. Yeah, see, 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 guide. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> nice plug. Uh, but no, but there's there's so many good truths just in this list here. And again, it's all from scripture. It's mm-hmm. all uh, God breathes. But but how do the two of you kind of continue to um, speak these truths over you? And and what does it even look like for you to be on guard against the world trying to <laughs> define your identity? for you because I know at least for me, if I'm not actively um, you know clinging to the truth, then I'm going to start to just at least entertain more of the world's definitions of my worth and who I am. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm looking at Zachariah's example here and checking this. So it was the people that wanted to call him John the Baptist the son, Zachariah after his dad, right? So that's that's society. and and then he said no, his, his name is to be called. John, so Elizabeth spoke up first. And, and then John, I'm, yeah, and then, and then Zechariah spoke up second through the, through the writing on the tablet, right? And so there was unity there. There was community. It was a husband and a wife. And to me, that, that's important, to surround yourself with people that see you the way that God does, that agrees with that. Because if we try to do this alone, um, it, the, the messages from the outside bombard us and they really can sink us. But when two or more are gathered, when two or more agree with who God says that we are, who God says that you are, then that's a powerful community that can help us live out that that reality and that truth that God that God says that we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love the wording of God with us gave us a new identity. I like that going together mm-hmm. and that who God is makes me be able to trust who he says that I am instead of trying to like look at some of these on this list and try to convince myself that I am those things. It's like if God is completely truthful and sovereign over everything and the most knows everything and is above everything and he says this about us, then it must be true versus, oh yeah, I deserve to feel like a new creation, like a friend of Jesus. That doesn't work. And I think also with those messages from the world, it's easy for me to think about what not to think about myself instead of what I should. So that's why I think this list and lists like this can be really helpful because you just get to see and figure out something that you need to focus on that's positive instead of all the, no, I I don't need to think like this and not replacing it with something from yeah. God's word. I think really practically that doesn't help. It doesn't actually change my thinking to say, to hear a thought that I think about myself and just say, no, I'm not supposed to think that hmm. versus replacing it with God's word that immediately changes my mindset, my thoughts how much of this gets easier over time for both of y'all as you continue to walk in these truths? Because I think for some people, it may be where they, on a Sunday, they hear this and like, yes, this is who God says I am, this is who I am. But then by maybe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they can easily kind of go back into either uh, what their flesh is trying to tell them or the world is trying to tell them. So has that process gotten easier for y'all as you continue to go back to scripture or what kind of other ways practically do you remind yourself in those times where you may be feeling bombarded or or kind of overwhelmed by, by the world? Definition. Yeah, so with Mary and I'm sorry, with Elizabeth and Zachariah, they they were one and they were a community. They they were with each other every day, right? So they feared God, they served God together, and we we need to surround ourselves. I mean, that's the importance of community, of uh, uh, agreeing with others that w- we want to walk this out with one another. It's a personal relationship lived out together. Um, I'm looking at the 
scripture in Hebrews where he says, for by one sacrifice, so Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he has made perfect forever. So he's saying that because of the cross, we are now perfect. There is nothing that we can do to mess up the perfect plan of God for him to be with us, right? Uh, and then it says, those who are being made holy. So the made holy, I think goes to the question. We are continually being made and, and conformed to the image of Christ, being transformed, renewed, our minds are. And so that is a process. The more we are living in community, the more we eat of the truth of the word, the more we live out this identity that God's given us, the, the more we're gonna grow in, in our faith and also the more we give it away. That's a great exercise, not only consume and, and because I think another issue is that we think too much of ourselves and, and when we just need to do what God's asking us to do. If it's forgive, then forgive that person. If it's give something away, give that away. If it's serve, then, then serve. And in doing that, he uses that to change us and change the way we think. Mm. Yeah, I think about if it's gotten easier or not. I think the things that I've worked on with God and the word that his word that I've either memorized or planted, it really is like a seed planted internally. And that I think continues to bear fruit for, at least for me still, even things that I learned really early on as a teenager, like verses that people helped me memorize, I still know. And I think those still bear fruit in my life now. And so I think in some ways I feel like that gets better because it's not like these truths just go away. It's like if we really plant them in our hearts, then they stay and God's word stay, yeah. stays and he brings it up over time in different seasons. And I really like putting these the first two points together too on right. this because I think if I can't go there with God on my failures, you know, and with community, but first with God, then there's not much depth for me to plant this, you know, the replacement, the God's new identity in there. And I think for me, that's been a trend, a lot of my spiritual walk. And so just receiving those truths more shallowly instead of doing both, really going there with God and receiving the new identity freely from God and doing all of that process as authentically and like deeply as I can so that it doesn't just stay rooted in me and keep coming up time and time again. Yeah. I mean, two things I just heard y'all say in both of those good answers, one being uh, just that time with God and that receiving, like you said, Paulina, just that receiving of his identity and his worth and just going to scripture, reading through that truth. And then I think another thing that y'all said that I'd echo too, is just surrounding yourself with people that are also living in light of that. I think that there's oftentimes we can have blind spots where it's much easier to see someone else and you're like, oh no, you, you may be thinking this is your worth or your identity, but really it's not. Like it's, I think it's easier to remind other people um, of their identity in Christ. So being surrounded by people that are gonna be able to encourage. I know in my life, at least, I've had people that have done that for me and reminded me that, hey, this isn't <laughs> this isn't what it's about or this is your flesh talking and helping me discern that. Yeah. So I think that's something that's, that's been really helpful, helpful too. Let's jump to the third point. And this is not only God is with us, but God is worthy of our praise. I'd love to just ask y'all practically, what helps y'all just remember uh, just ways to praise God or, or what helps you kind of, what, what, what role does praise and worship enter into your walks? And, and how do you maybe do that practically as far as just applying this truth? Yeah, if you dig into the first two points and spend time thinking about the things that, the failures that he has covered, that he no longer identifies you by those, then praise 
naturally comes out. You realize how awesome and how wonderful and how incredible this grace that God has so graciously lavished on us. Uh, it, it really does all tie together. Loved your analogy of the seed, Paulina, because it seems like praise is a really good fertilizer. You know, you you work, you, our, our response to God is all praise. We're living sacrifices, right? Romans 12. And, and so this praise allows the other things to grow, the identity piece to grow, the covering of failure, going back to God for, for grace and forgiveness. It, it's a continual cycle that grows us into something beautiful that furthers his kingdom. Yeah, I like how simple God makes some things like really this, does. you know, that he made us to be and live a certain way. And when, as we start to live more and more into that, the rest of it locks into place, you know? So the way that all of this leads to the next thing, it's not like do one thing over here, one thing over here. It's like it all is a, a domino effect mm-hmm. in our lives. And I think, yeah, what you said, if you really, if we're really doing these things, then how could we not praise and live that out in new ways? We've got a few more weeks left of 2022, and then a lot of people already looking forward to 2023. A lot of that is meeting New Year's resolutions. Jose, I love what you said. I never heard that before, but just this idea of reflecting instead of resolutions. You want to pack that? End of year summation instead of New Year's resolution. It kind of rhymes. It almost got there. Okay, but no, really, so. like, let's dive into that real quick. What is, well, how has that played in y'all's life? And, and kind of what does that look like as far as just what, what spiritual impact does that have? Yeah, t- Taylor, in our relationship, she's normally the planner. I'm the spon- spontaneous, but I did hit her with a curveball last week where I said, hey, I want to talk about praises. And, and uh, we did that with our community group as well. So we went around and did that last week. And so I literally copied those questions that I asked them uh, for us to think about. And it's powerful because we know, we know a lot of the good things, but it's when we spend time to think on those things and even share them that they they increase in power. It becomes even more real. And then again, it, it harbors this praise in us to give thanks to God and acknowledge what he's done. And then we can start talking about goal setting for mm. for the following year and, and things that we hope for. But mm. yeah, giving praise and thanks is so crucial. Mm. I think the simple part and the challenge for me is that it takes a lot of presence to be able to do that. You know, like I really, both being present during the year when things happened and doing this process we're talking about continually with God and then stopping and being present enough to take that time apart to look back, you know, both individually and with people. I think that's the part for me with this time of the year that it's so exciting to have a new year, you know, and Mm -hmm. just that mindset for me clicks quickly and I'm like, it's all going to be different. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and plan, you know, instead of taking the being totally present now and doing the reflecting part. I think the busyness and the just getting excited about new things makes it feel really hard for me to stop and be present to do that well. You touched on a little bit here as far as just this time and the season, a lot of reflecting and stuff. I just went back to these three points. God's with us despite our failures. He gives us a new identity and he is worthy of our praise. Uh, that's, a, that's a message I need to hear regardless of the time that's of right. year. But, yeah. but what is significant as this just ties in and we see this through this lens of the series that we're going with as far as the significant uh, and the insignificant and just what does that play to as far as the, the Christmas story and yeah. what, what do you not want us to miss? So some, some gospels started with, with Jesus. Uh, um, oh man, it's Mark or John there. He starts the, his ministry right off the bat. So you don't even get the nativity story and Luke decides to go from the beginning. There's all these significant details in these parts. And again, 
I see these greater themes. There's redemption here, there's identity here, and there's praise. A lot of allusion to Old Testament prophecies. Uh, We're gonna continue to see that, but God does significant things, sometimes through insignificant ways. And I love what you finished here, Paulina, and I think we can close here, is if we're not present, if we're not intentional about these things, they may be small, we can miss them. Mm -hmm. We can miss them and we can look up and say, oh, well, God's not really with me because blank, blank, blank. Mm -hmm. But really it's just our inability to see the significant work that that he's doing. So let's take time and think about where is God right now in my life? And uh, from there, we, we will see that he's been with us all along. Thanks for listening to The Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.